Good morning, church. Uh, our text this morning, if you want to turn there in your Bible, is in Jeremiah chapter 18. I, I would encourage you to do that so you can kind of follow along, visualize as I'm, as I'm talking. But uh, kind of lay a foundation. Uh, I'm going to read a verse in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, where it says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Here's the story of creation. Uh, it says the Lord God formed a man. God formed the man. That's important. The word man is the Hebrew word Adam. We get our word Adam from it. Uh, and of course, that was the name of the first man uh, because God made him. Adam means red clay. So God made man out of red clay. That's kind of interesting because it plays right into the parable that we're going to look at today in, in uh, chapter 18 of Jeremiah. It starts out, here's the first part of the story. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. That's, that's significant. This is the first part. We're going to look at uh, five aspects of the potter's house here. And the first part is the potter's plan. Now, you remember from Genesis chapter 2, we learned some important things about God. First, we learned that man was not mass-produced on an assembly line. And you are not mass-produced on God's assembly line. You are specifically created by Him, formed by God. The second thing we learn is you are not an accident. God has a master plan behind you, creating you, forming you into who you are. And we learn that because of sin, you are temporary. I am temporary. Everybody you know is temporary. So we need to recognize the time is short. So the potter's plan. Jeremiah says, I did what the Lord told me. I went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at the wheel. Now, of course, the wheel is the, the, the spinning table that the potter has. And he would spin that around and the clay would move around and around. So what he would form and shape would be symmetrical. That's the wheel. And that's an important part because your life is like a spinning wheel. Have you ever thought about it? I mean, everything we know is just like spinning around. The universe is spinning around, scientists tell us. Our planet is spinning around the sun. That's what gives us a year. Our planet is spinning around. That's what gives us a day measurement. Generation after generation, life is spinning around. And your life is spinning around on the wheel while God is forming us and shaping us, making us into what he wants us to be. Now, every potter has to get in his mind beforehand what he's going to make. Is it going to be big? Is it going to be small? Is it going to 
be an image like a sculpture or is it going to be a, a something usable like a mug or a, a pot? He's got, he has to have a vision in his mind. He has to have a plan. And then the potter begins to work the plan with the clay. The potter starts by working the clay because you can't shape something if it's not pliable. So the more you work the clay, so the potter goes to work. He's working the clay. He's making it pliable. He's making it soft. He's making it something that's movable. He's got to put a little extra water on it to soften it up and keep working it, kneading it, preparing it for what he's going to make. Because there is no perfect clay. So he's got to work it to remove any impurities, anything that's become hard. He's got to soften it up. And then he can make with it what he wants because God's the potter. This is a visual, this is an illustration of God being a potter at work in our lives. There's five steps to making a pot. The first is the vision, the dream, the blueprint in your mind of what you want to create. Second is the kneading process where you're, you're working, it, working out the debris that doesn't belong. The third step is the shaping process. And a potter's got to shape that clay into the image of what he wants it to be. And then the fourth step, of course, is the fire. The fire sets that clay. He's got it all moist and wet and flexible. He shapes it into what he wants. And then he's got to fix it so it doesn't move. That's where the fire comes in. It's the process that every potter has to go through to make uh, the pot from the clay that he wants to. Now, verse 4, I want us to see, is the second part. It says, But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. I'm going to stop right there a minute because I want us to think about that. Father God is making a, making a vessel, making a pot out of your life and mine. He is shaping it, forming it, making it what he wants, what he wants, he the potter, wants it to be. And then he comes across the problem. This is the potter's problem. There's a defect in the clay. It is marred in his hands. Even Father God has issues trying to develop what he has in his mind when he's working with people like us. And we're all like this, marred in his hands. The, the uh, contemporary English Bible says it was flawed in his hands. New American Standard said it was spoiled in his hands. The Living Bible says it didn't turn out like he wished, which is probably true, but a little bit weak. Because I, I, wanna, I want us to see here that there was a, a major problem that had to be dealt with that made the product unusable. Some kind of debris got in the clay. If I was rewriting this and using my paraphrase, I would say he found some sin in the clay. You see, you're the clay. I'm the clay. And the Father, shaping us into what He wants us to be, discovered there's a blemish. 
there's something unsatisfactory here that makes the pot unusable. It's sinned. This is a picture of sin. And what the father, the potter, has to do with the sin he finds in the clay. This is a picture for us. We need to pay attention to what he's saying here. And note, it was marred in his hands. It wasn't that it slipped out of his hands and got marred. It was while he was still plying, still working it, still pressing it, shaping it. It was marred. See, even a person tries to live a Christian life, you see, and say, well, my life is in his hands. Yeah, well, just let him work, work enough. He's going to find some mar in it because that's human nature. And the potter has a problem. So that takes us to the third thing we need to see, which is also in verse 4. It says, But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands, so the potter formed it into another pot. Formed it into another one. In other words, he's got to break it down. What a potter would do is he would scoop that clay that's, that's soft and pliable, he would scoop that up off the wheel and slam it down again and start all over again. Well, if that clay had nerves and feelings like we do, I'm sure that would hurt because the father's going to have to go back to work starting over again. He formed it into another pot a distinctly different pot using the same clay he started with. Are you seeing how this fits into your life? Are you see how this, this works into you? I mean, we finally, get, we finally get past the Great Recession where everything was tight and the economy opens up again and everybody's excited. We got jobs again. People aren't unemployed. And isn't this wonderful? We have the great economy. And then COVID-19 comes along and shuts everything down again. It's like God is trying to reform us. He's trying to reshape us, make us into another pot. And as soon as we get comfortable with one thing, God brings something else on because he's not willing to have a marred vessel. He's got to remove that debris. The New King James Version, I like this great. It says, he made it again into another vessel. Made it again. Kind of sounds like being born again, doesn't it? You see, that's what the Lord is doing in us. He makes us over again. He takes what was, what was originally made and intended for something. He sees it's marred, so he breaks it down and starts all over again. That's what born again is. It's when God, there's this quickening, this awakening inside of us, and our eyes are open to the spiritual world we had never seen before. And so we press in, we press in as he reshapes us, making us into what he wants us to be. But he didn't discard the old piece. He reshaped the old piece. It was the same clay it was before. It's just now been born again, made again into a new piece. You see, something deformed 
must be reformed. Something perverted must become converted. And God knows how to do that in our lives. He's a good God. He loves us so much. He won't let us stay the way we were, broken. He's going to repair it. No, he's not going to repair it. He's going to make it all together new. Something that's been repaired still has a weakness someplace. But he's making it all together different. So he has to go back to scratch. Break it down, mash it, and begin reshaping again. Using his thumbs to gouge deep. Using pressure to reshape it to be right in the form that he wants it to be. You see, the potter is the master recycler. He takes what's broken and worthless and he reshapes it and turns it into something positive. This is so good. He formed it again, made it again, born again. Once the clay hardens, it's not reformable. So you and I have to keep our hearts soft. We have to stay pliable because if we don't, the cares of this world are going to bake it and it's not going to be pliable anymore. can't be reworked. I'm a history buff. I love, I love history. I love learning from what once was so we don't make the same mistake again. And one of the interesting times in history is what we call the Reformation period. It's a form of the word reform. The church had become so corrupt and so worldly-minded and all about greed and money that God had to reform it. And so we went through this Reformation period that was extremely costly. Thousands upon thousands of people paid for it with their lives in war after war in Europe, fighting between the Catholics and the Protestants really wasn't about God or religion. It was about power and influence. If you, if you study that in history, you see that. Because that's not the way God functions. But every reformation is painful. Every reform that God wants to bring about in our life, in our church, is costly. And it's agonizing. And we don't like it. But it brings about the result God wants in our lives, and in the church. The other day I had a problem I was working on. I don't remember what it was, but I was working on something on my computer, and it locked up, and I couldn't get it to move. So I went up there, and I hit the refresh button, and it rebooted that whole thing and started all over again. It's like the potter goes back to the clay and hits the refresh button. He refreshes it, brings it back to what it was in his original plan. So this is what we're calling the, the potter's project. I, I hate to think I'm the project. I'm one of his projects, but I am. He's not finished with me yet. Don't get too hard on me because he's not finished yet. Wait till he gets finished with me, and then you can judge me and criticize me. But he's not finished with me yet. And he's not finished with you yet. So I'll take it easy on you. I won't second-guess you. I won't judge you because God's not finished with you. Let's be a little bit tolerant with one another and watch what God can do. 
So let's go to the fourth part of our story. It's also in verse 4. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands, so the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. I'll tell you what I've learned. God never checks with me to see if it's okay what he wants to do in my life. Doesn't even ask me. Just does it. Because he loves me, and he's got a better plan for me than I ever will. Because he knows my future. I don't. You know, you don't know your future. You can hardly remember what happened yesterday. But God understands it very clearly. This is the potter's product. This is what he's producing. He's producing something in you and I. Shaping it as seemed best to him. You know how you shape a pot? Pressure. You put pressure on it. You shape it this way. You push it that way. You gouge it a little bit. You work it. God knows how to reform us. He uses pressure. I hate pressure. I like things the easy way. But God knows to get me to be what he wants requires pressure. One of the things COVID-19 has done now is it's put a whole new pressure on all of us. It's made us redo things we've never thought we would be doing. And I believe some of it is going to be good for us because it's part of what God is doing in our, in our church, in our personal lives, and in the culture generally. He's changing everything. It's not what's best for you. It's what's best for him. And it reminds me of what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 9, verses 20 and 21. He says, but who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? Who am I to say, God, why would you make me like this? Why couldn't you make me a little taller? Why couldn't you uh, allow me to have a little, little more education? Why couldn't I be in a church that paid me a little bit more? What right do I have to question the potter? He's the one shaping and forming. So maybe you've asked the question, God, why did you make me like this? Is that a question we should be asking the master potter at work in our life? You see, the master potter has a dream. He has a vision. He has a blueprint in his mind for what he wants you and I to be. And he is pressing through on that. What right do we have to question the potter in whose, hand, whose hands we have committed our life? So if you've given your life to Jesus, that means he's the Lord of your life. What right do you have to second-guess him once you put your life in his hands? You see, the potter sees the bigger picture. You can't see it. 
We'll be able to see it one day, but at this point, we can't yet see it. So there is a product that he is trying to work out in our life. And that takes us to the fifth part of this parable I want us to see. It's in verses 5 and 6. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, Can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. You see the personal touch? The fifth thing is the potter's personal touch. So are you in my hand. Now it's a parable that applies not just to Israel in the Old Testament, but to the church in the New Testament. To each individual life. He is a, his fingerprints are all over us, church. We may not like it because he's pressing and he's gouging and he puts pressure on, but he's trying to reform us because he's not content with what we are. You are a personal creation in the potter's hand. You may not feel like it, but God has specially engineered you to be who you are. There was a poem that was written years ago. It's got a lot of attention in Christian circles, but I'm sure there's some younger Christians watching this that haven't heard this poem, so I want to read it. I want you to think about it, about God at work in your life. It's called The Touch of the Master's Hand. "'Twas battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it hardly worth his while to waste his time on the old violin, but he held it up with a smile." What am I bid, good folks, he cried. Who starts the bidding for me? One dollar, one dollar, who, do I hear two? Two dollars, who makes it three? Three dollars once, three dollars twice. Going for three, but no. From the room far back, a gray-bearded man came forward and picked up the bow. Then wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening up the strings, he played a melody, pure and sweet, as sweet as the angel sings. The music ceased, and the auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, What now am I bid for this old violin, as he held it up with the bow? One thousand, one thousand, do I hear two? Two thousand, who makes it three? Three thousand once, three thousand twice, going and gone, said he. The audience cheered, but some of them cried. We just don't quite understand. What changed its worth? Swift came the reply. It was the touch of the master's hand. And many a man, with life out of tune, all battered and scarred with sin, is auctioned cheap to a thoughtless crowd, much like that old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game, and he travels on. He is going once, he is going twice, he is going and almost gone. But the master comes, and the foolish crowd never can quite understand the worth of a soul 
and the change that is wrought by the touch of the master's hand. Just like that old violin came to life and full of meaning, your old soul can come to life and be full of meaning. You just have to let the master put his special touch in your life. Let me say this in conclusion. You were not mass-produced. You are a specialty creation. You are not an accident. There is a master plan at work in your life. God is not finished with you yet. You are a work in progress, and you are temporary. You won't be around forever. You're getting older every day. Your time is limited. Make it count. The master is at work in your life. In just a couple minutes, Pastor Adam and I are going to be sharing some of the differences in our worship service next week on May 24th. But before we do that, I want us to think about what we've just learned about the parable of the potter and the clay and reflect on what he's doing in our life. Are you gracefully broken? Allow God to remake you.